Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right. So we're coming back with Vince Husek. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of things. We've talked about his journey so far, being a go-getter, uh, and the way he married his wife and all the good stuff there. If you haven't heard that, go listen to it. Uh, we've talked about the way the Lord has guided his life and brought him to this point and, and uh, just some really cool talk on that in that regard. And then we talked for a while about um, cancer and how that's shaped your life and how things have changed and how uh, much you've matured from it and the good things that have come from it and the frustrations uh, that kind of ran alongside it and the blessings that God brought to your life through it. So um, now we got to talk about you right now, Vince Husek. And I want to know, um, I want to know what's ticking in your heart right now. What's what's behind you in the brain? What's behind the curtain? So um, one of the things that I've loved about you since the day I met you, um, when you walk into a room, like heads turn, and there's nothing about you physically. Um, you're like Jesus. There's nothing about you physically to draw us to you. Um, but when you walk in a room, like men sit up a little straighter, like boys turn and look at you. Like there, there's something going on there that you're often one of the most masculine men in the room, no matter what room you're in. And I want you to speak to that. What do you think that's coming from? Where do you think that is? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we, I've been in, in lead up to this conversation, I've been trying to kind of like parse out what exactly is, is going on there. Uh, and it's something that, uh, I would be remiss to say that I haven't noticed, but it's hard sometimes to put a finger on uh, some of those things. Uh, and I think kind of what I, the the closest that I can come, at least right now, to being able to answer that question is that uh, there is like a, a sense of uh, being able to like embrace a challenge or uh, like look for adventure that has always kind of been there. And so anytime there's like an opportunity to do something that sometimes even is like a little bit goofy or a little bit weird, uh, like leaning into that and not being afraid to go like, well, yeah, what if we did, you know, such and such. And there's a lot of times where people come up with those ideas and go, whoa, boy, wouldn't it be cool if we did such and such? And then they just kind of let that go. But I'm the kind of like, I have those ideas and, and then I do them. And I don't know like where that comes from. It's just been like I've never really thought of the world as something that has limits. And so I just look at those opportunities and go like, oh, yeah, well, that sounds cool. All right. So 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 why don't we do it? And 
every once in a while, I mean, it, that's probably come through in the conversations that we have so far is that every <laughs> once in a while that takes me down some stupid roads. I, I marry myself and I like, I do some dumb things every once in a while because of that. But I also get into some situations where I go like, wow, my life has been kind of changed because of that. And like chasing these opportunities, uh, can really be a, a cool thing. I mean, I've been the I've sailed twenty five foot sailboats uh, on my own with nobody else there. I've uh, spent I've gone on eight hour car trips and slept in my car to try and uh, be somebody that like you know go chase after a girl. I've I've done all these things. I've like rescued a woman from a raging river one time. I, like. All these, like, let's chase. Yeah, I mean, like, it was just, you know, like, doing these things and, and chasing after adventure sometimes, like, leads you into uh, some really great things. I met my wife with a shotgun in one hand and a whiskey bottle in one hand and a cigar in my mouth. And, like, I've never been afraid to go, like, well, yeah, we could we could probably do that. That's uh, your, your 21st birthday that we were talking about earlier. I spent, (laughs) I spent part of that evening wandering through the bowels of Miller park, uh, because we had the opportunity to, uh, just go into a doorway and it was like, well, Oh, I I forgot about that. Yeah. I you guys were like almost in the, in the uh, clubhouse. We, we walked past, I've, I've walked past the doorway to the locker room, the player's locker room in Miller Park, which is down in kind of the bowels of the stadium. And uh, it was just one of these things where uh, one of the people that we were with knew someone that was there and she was working at Miller Park and she knew that a particular door uh, wasn't locked. And if you opened it and went down the stairs, you could be basically in the bottom of the stadium and uh, you know there, there were two of us there and and my friend and I looked at each other and he was one of the people that you know would look at that and go boy wasn't that a cool idea and then he would go sit back in his seat and I'm the kind of guy that I hear that idea and go wait a second we're doing that <laughs> and so we did and we wandered around and we and I regret to this day not popping my head into the locker room because we were down there and the game was going on so clearly there was no one there but we took a little brief walk through and and walked around and just act like we acted like we were supposed to be there and well and it's one of those things where it's it's not like it's it's empty or that nobody ever gets down there but yeah. nobody ever does get down down there without paying like fifteen hundred dollars a seat yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes you just have to uh you have to be willing to uh Open a door and just just check the knob and see if it's open and, and investigate. And if it is, open the door. Take a risk. Take it metaphorically or take it literally when you're walking the hallways of Miller Park. Much more literally than metaphorically in this case. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So the, the, that whole take the bull by the horns mentality. Let's go do something wild and crazy. And uh, all right, I, I I that's I think you hit it right on the head. That that is kind of what it is. Is this wildness and this. Uh, just like stoutness of character and uh, like just the idea that not necessarily dangerous like physically, 
but uh, not will not unwilling to take a risk, which I think is so prevalent. Just this pa- passivity that cloaks all of us, um, and I see it definitely in my own life. We were just talking about this off off the off the record that, like, I was something that was really convicting me over the weekend is this reality that. I just been frozen in fear, like not doing what I want to do because I'm worried about this, that, or whatever. When reality is like, what's the worst thing going to happen? You're going to die. <laughs> like the worst is that could ever like the worst day on earth is the best day ever. Like I could end up in heaven, you know, and, and not to go out and do something stupid and, and risk that. But at the same time, just the reality that any particular step could be my last step or my last heartbeat or whatever, uh, just depending on what the Lord's plan is. And so, Knowing that and remembering that, you know, memento mori, I must die and going into and just chasing life that way, saying, I only have a certain amount of time, let go, let the Lord take care of my my salvation, and I'm going to go to service purposes and have a little fun in the process. Too. And I need to be ready. That's, I think you're really on to something there, and that's something that I... Uh, have been experiencing a bunch over the last year and a half. When I was sitting in the hospital, and especially since then, but really while I was in there, one of the core questions that ate at me constantly and still to this day is like a, a hard thing that I'm careful about who I introduce to this question. But it's the idea that... Um, if God showed up right now and said, I can take you to heaven with me right now, or you can stay here, what what would you say? And that's not a question that we should take lightly. But, it is a question that you need to be ready to answer. And I think that if we understand rightly what we say we believe, then there is a very clear and simple answer to that question. And what I said was clear and simple, not safe or comfortable or kind or gentle. Uh, but clear and simple. And that's something that takes some real wrestling and some deep understanding of uh, the Christian faith and, and what the Bible says and, and who we believe that God is. And if you don't have those core understandings, then there's another no-brainer answer to that question. But I think that with time spent deeply investigating the claims of Christ and who the God of the Bible is, uh, there's a, a hard but easy answer to the question of if God showed up right now and said, I'm ready to take you, are you ready to go? Are you ready? Wow. So what? Uh, so back to the <laughs> bringing it back around here. So the I think what what does provide that uh, that 
sturdy masculinity, that hearty masculinity, I think like you hit on is the idea that there is nothing like I am ready to go home. Yeah. You know, and so there's a stoutness of character. There's a stoutness of manhood there that uh, cannot be spoken against. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, John Eldridge, I've talk, I, I love John Eldridge. We've been talking about John Eldridge on all these podcasts. But uh, are you familiar with John Eldridge? I'm familiar. Oh, man, so good. Did you hear about it from Kevin? No. I've, oh, man. I, I've heard about I've heard about John Eldridge long before I knew any of you guys. Uh, but uh, anyway, so um, John Eldridge talks about um, you, you got to stop pretending and stop posing. Just let the world feel the weight of who you are. Let the world feel the weight of who you are and let them deal with it. And you cannot do that if you do not have that tremendous sense of self that comes only from the knowledge and the acceptance of the fact that at any moment you may die and at any moment you need to be ready. And I think that's, this is not where I expected that question to go, but what an incredible answer. Um, so segueing then into into new conversation, um, one of my favorite books is Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and he talks about the five manly or something. No, I think it's the five manly maxims, and one of his manly maxims is manly men do manly things. So, what does Vince Husek do with his time? Uh, manly things. Well, we talked briefly earlier about how I like to make beer, and that's. Uh, probably one of the manlier things that I do uh, that I've gotten kind of interested in over the last year or so. Uh, so the process of uh, brewing and, and making and bottling and kegging my own beer is a, is a fascinating thing to me and uh, a pretty cool experience. I also uh, have invested a lot of time and a lot of energy into uh, hunting over much of my life. Uh, this past year was the most successful deer hunting year I've ever had in my life. I shot three deer uh, this deer hunting season. I shot uh, two does and I shot a buck. Uh, and I had uh, a great times made a lot of memories with uh, my brother and my dad. Uh, the last deer that I shot, the third deer, the one of the does that I shot, uh, I shot with my brother, which is the first time that I had ever been with someone else while I shot a deer. Usually I'm alone in my tree stand or alone in my blind when I shoot a deer. And so that was a really cool and unique uh, fun experience to be able to do that uh, in community uh, be able to experience that you know providing for my family and uh, the the work that goes into mm -hmm. uh, being a hunter and, and taking that uh, just a really interesting approach to to getting food and kind of how we go about that uh, and it's a it's a fun, interesting, but also like a really uh, good. You know, you talk about like the best grass fed, healthy, oh, yeah, anti sure. uh, you know, anti factory farm, anti uh, no antibiotics or anything involved there. Uh, beautiful process that uh, is going on. Um, so that's. Those are probably the two, you know, of the uh, manlier things. Um, I coach sports, but that's, you know, anybody can can do that. Uh, a 
brewing beer and hunting are, are some of the manlier things that I do. All right. Yeah. So uh, we've talked a little bit about your coaching. Why, why coaching and why football? Uh, well, I, so it's been really interesting. Uh, I coach football, uh, and actually I, I've taken at this point almost two years off, um, because I was, I was about a month into football season of 2016, uh, when I got sick. And so I missed a full season of football. And then this past year I was back to school, but I just didn't have, uh, the energy and the the juice that I needed to be able to uh, mm-hmm. serve my students in my classroom well and be able to do a uh, be a coach and uh, serve my family. But I think there's a lot of things about football that you can't uh, replicate in other sports, uh, given the the size of the teams and the the nature of the game. Yeah, it's a violent game. It, it's a it's a violent game, uh, and it's at the same time like it's the epitome of a of a thinking man's game. It's it's chess with hammers, basically. Yeah. Um. And so. Well, the, and the hammer is you. Right. Uh. And so, it's a, it's the ultimate kind of high stakes, uh, physical contest. And so there's a lot about football that I I really love. At the same time, I've been coaching track also for the last few years, and I love football uh, but I'm having a serious like side affair uh, <laughs> which is which is okay to do in sports that's not okay to do in like any other aspect of your life really but but in sports I've got like football for a long time was my wife but I'm having like I got a side girl and her name is track and field and, <laughs> and she has got it going on and she doesn't have some of the major issues that that football football is kind of that like crazy relationship you have where you're like beating each up beat, but you just can't let it go either. right that's you, you hate each other and you you fight and you're after each other and it's nasty and you wake up and you feel like deep regret and serious hurt but you can't you keep coming back track and field is the uh the smooth elegant maybe you can grow up and spend a life together uh, kind of sport. And so I've really enjoyed uh, that. The Tenor Veritas track team is back-to-back Indian Trails uh, Girls Conference track champions, by the way, 2016, 2017. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking to be 2018, what, what, uh, as, <laughs> as the season's getting started. Uh, so we are uh, building a, a legacy in the – the city and really south of the city uh, as a school that can uh, can be competitive and I love watching dev- uh, athletes develop, uh, especially watching uh, female athletes develop. I really like girls track, uh, which again, like you know, the politically correct track, you know, train could go off uh, about that, but. I, for some reason, really enjoy seeing uh, girls kind of like wake up and see uh, like a different kind of potential that most of our society doesn't really expect from them. Like there's not a lot of people that expect to see girls uh, doing a lot of really athletic things, I think, unfortunately. And it's, it's been a really a joy to see some of the opportunities that are provided, especially by track and field uh, for uh 
athletes to develop. Well, and you're totally right. Actually, I experienced the exact same thing with middle school girls basketball. Like watching, you know, 12, 13-year-old girls just come alive and like like the drive, just the grind, you know, like that they don't have anywhere else. Like, yeah, they do their homework and they, they push really hard. They care about that. But that 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 com- competition, that drive that comes out when you're like really pushing at something you love and then also the confidence that comes alongside of it of like, I'm good at this. Like, I'm good. And uh, that was the fun thing with basketball was like, if you know anything about me, you know that if I'm going to do something, it's going to be intense. And so the, like we were probably the most intense, not the most disciplined. Uh, that's uh, and that's my fault. But the most intense middle school basketball program I've ever experienced was my own <laughs> that I was running. And the girls were like, like they would walk in the room and be like, I'm going to be your worst freaking nightmare for the next 45 minutes. And they were like little sixth grade girls playing against like literally six foot eighth graders that are now like two years later are playing varsity sports at like Milwaukee Lutheran and Wisco. And they're like going out and competitive at the state level. And uh, like two years ago, we had little, you know, four foot eight, sixth grade girls like giving them nightmares. And it was awesome. And they owned it and they loved it. Like. Oh, man, I told I told them we need to make steals and we need to make layups. And so we learned how to shoot layups and then we played defense like nobody's business. And it didn't matter who we were playing. It was just like, we're going to ruin your night. And we didn't win every game. But, oh, man, and that that hunger and that attitude and that just awakening that that I don't know what it is, that spirit inside of them of we always have a chance. Like you've always got a puncher's chance, you know. And so we're going to go out and we're going to give it what we have. And, uh, man, we're going to pull some of them out. And that's something, like, guys are wired that way. And girls are to an extent, you know, there's some of that there. And that's why some of the catfighting stuff happens. But when you can harness that and channel that, holy cow. It also taught me so much about, like, being, like, I'm not a dad and I'm not a husband. And so I don't get some of that. But seeing the relationships and the impact I can have and how I can tear them down with a word and I can bring them back up with a word too. Like doing things I would never do, like dancing in the hallway after games. And like just you realize what the power of one word is. Like with a, with a boy, you're like, yeah, sorry, dude, I was wrong. He's like, I forgive you. And off we go, you know. With girls, it's like you're losing kids off your team if you don't watch what you're saying. And just the way you teach and admonish and all of that changes when uh like man you can anybody can coach boys not anybody can be not everybody can be a good coach but anybody can be a coach and a fairly successful coach if you put in the time and effort but when you're coaching girls man like to me the the i would love to get inside gino's mind over at uconn and just be like man what have you figured out that you can bring this about I, it's just incredible, and it's something that guys need to learn and guys need to know, and it's actually the opposite of feminism. It's the opposite of feminism, It's especially this modern feminist movement. It's not something like innately and like it's not making like changing gender roles or whatever. It's a man looking a woman, in this case, a man looking a, a, a girl in the eye and saying, you have value. You have something that you can bring to the table, and 
I can't wait for you to bring it because when you bring that to the table, you make not just this team better, but the whole world a better place. And you're going to and just watching them flower and come alive. And because of the kids we work with, they come from some terrible, some of them, not all of them, come from some terrible situations. And you see a young lady start acting like a lady because she's a freaking beast on the basketball. Like, that doesn't make sense, but it happens. And all of a sudden, they have this sense of purpose and identity they've never had before. And that, man, like, you don't get that when you decide that the gender roles don't exist. Like, that that just completely tears apart and downplays the beautiful and fascinating thing that a female is like that is a blessing from God. And we can harness that is just a cool thing. Actually, um, have you ever heard the story of the 10 cow wife? It's a Hawaiian. I don't know if it's a folktale or what, but so there's in, in Hawaii, you would pay a bride price would be like a cow. And if mm-hmm. she was, if she was a real hottie, you know, like the, the real valuable girl, you know, then it would be, two cows you know or maybe a bull (laughs) she's really something you know and so there's this european settler who comes to hawaii and there's a chieftain who's got two daughters and one's kind of a homely girl stays around the house not super attractive very quiet nobody really knows her and then the younger daughter is is a babe you know she's just she's she's always flirting like she's every guy every guy on the island wants her you know and uh so this white, this white man comes and walks up to the chief and says, I want to marry your daughter. And the chief says, you know, this is a, I can make something off this. He goes, well, what, do you get, what, pro, what bride price are you going to pay for my daughter? And he says, I'm going to pay 10 cows for your daughter. And everybody's like, what? Like, that's, that's like five wives. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's way too much for one daughter, you know? And so he's like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I'll take five cows for my daughter, you know? And so he prepares his younger daughter for marriage and brings his younger daughter out. And on the wedding day, he looks at her and goes, well, this isn't, this isn't the woman I want asked you to marry. I asked for your other daughter. And this girl's standing there going like, what? And everybody goes, what? She's like homely. There's nothing special about her. And so he marries this, the older daughter he wanted to marry. And he takes her off for a couple months on a honeymoon. And uh, they bring her back to Hawaii after the honeymoon is over. And um, everybody looks at this this white man and says like who is who is that who's that woman that you're with like we don't recognize her and he says that's my wife that's the same girl that you had and the whole point of the story is he treated her like a 10 cow wife and he treated her like she was worth so much more and he he let he gave her value and opportunity and she blossomed into something nobody ever believed she could be and that's what, yeah. like, that's what I, oh that's my goodness. Real. Like, I'm, I'm not a husband, but if I can do that, like, that my life will be fulfilled, you know? And if I can do that for one of the little girls in my classroom or for a kid on a basketball court, like, man, I will do that heart and soul. Like, that's what I'll pour myself into. I just totally hijacked no, <laughs> the question there, but. That's, that's a perfect oh, kind of man. circle back because that was number one on my list is, hey, yeah. like no, that, things, things that I see value in post-cancer, post-mountaintop, like coming down into the valley, what do I see that is valuable? Yeah, I see that as a, as a husband. Like there's a, so much value in that for sure. Yeah. All right, I got two big questions for you. The last two questions for, for Vince, at least this time around here. Question number one, and this is a this is a wind dinger, as I like to call them. 
If you could go back, spend five minutes with 18-year-old Vince and give him one piece of advice, what would you say to 18-year-old Vince? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, it's one of those things where I think uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it depends you know, how your life is gone, but I think sometimes people have big things that they would change and they would go back. Uh, and if you change those things, then like the logical side of me goes, all right, if I change that, then you get like a little bit of a butterfly effect and, and other things happen. And I don't know if I end up the same person. And right now where I am, I'm, I'm pretty happy with most of, of where I am as a person. And so I hesitate sometimes to do that. Uh, but having the benefit of being on the the road that I've been on, especially for the last uh, year and a half or so, I, if I had five minutes to go back, uh, I could tell my 18-year-old self reliably that uh, with five minutes of self-control spread out over the next 10 years, uh, there are many, many people uh, who I've interacted with along the way that I could save uh, from a lot of hurt. Uh, and, and through the process of, of growing up and become, going from a, a teenager to a young man uh, to a, a, I guess, a little bit older young man, because <laughs> uh, I'm still a young man. But uh, through the process from an 18-year-old to a 28-year-old, there are many people who I have hurt a lot along the way, uh, whether that be through uh, things that I have said to them or things that I have done to them, uh, specifically uh, lots of girls along the way that I just uh, used and, and hurt when I was young and dumb and selfish and uh, just jumping mm -hmm. at uh, every kind of opportunity that I had to make myself feel good. And literally, in a, in a with five minutes of... of self-control spread out in like a 30 second chunk here and a 30 second chunk there and maybe a minute of self-control here to just get you through a particular situation without doing uh, a certain dumb thing or saying a certain dumb thing to x person in a particular circumstance i could basically be the same person that i am now without any fear of like you know, that you doing something and it radically changes the rest of your life. These things wouldn't change the rest of my life, but they would maybe change a lot of what happened in a big handful of other people's lives where they are uh, going away with an impression of me that doesn't represent the man that, that I want to be. And I look back on, uh, with regret and many of those people I've apologized to, uh, some of them I've apologized to numerous times, uh, just because of, uh, deep seated, 
regret and and guilt that I feel over uh, some of the people that I just haven't treated gently uh, in my my youth and thinking that the answer was always to be right or always to just indulge myself and my desires and if I had taken five minutes of being self-controlled many people who have been hurt through the development of of me becoming uh, a a real man or closer to a a real man uh, wouldn't have had to have been hurt uh, and that's a big thing that if I could go back, I would I would smack my 18-year-old <laughs> self upside the head and he would look at me like, what What was that for? It was because of the stupid things that I know that you're going to do <laughs> that, that don't need to happen uh, and, and won't change the course of your life. Like they'll just make minor adjustments and, and fix some brokenness in our world. Uh, that's the things that I would change. Yeah, I like that. The five minutes of self control spread over, spread out over ten years. Two yeah. minutes a year, and yep. and you can just so radically change the the feeling that people walk away from you with, uh, and that's a big deal. Yeah, that might might be one of the biggest. Yeah. All right, you talked about becoming a real man or becoming closer to a real man. I like that you also changed that closer to a real man. The idea that we're always on a journey. Um, so. If, you, if you're saying that, you must have an idea in your head of what a real man looks like. So my question for you is, um, what, what, is a good, what is a real Christian man look like? What makes a Christian man? Uh, a Christian man is a man who submits his life to the words of uh, Christ in the Bible and the picture that is painted uh, through God's word and through the Holy Spirit of of who he is. And that means uh, walking in uh, grace for other people and uh, truth for ourselves and for other people, but but mostly to ourself. If I don't if I don't preach the word uh, to myself, and I don't believe it in my core first, then the words that I say to other people are really kind of meaningless. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, if you beat other people over the head with truth, and you're being a, a jerk about it unnecessarily, you're you don't understand. Uh, the full picture of what it means to be a man of God. Uh, and following after that really radically shapes your life in a, in a way that puts you in a different place as far as uh, humility and just being able to engage with other people and understand uh, that they are bringing in uh, some deep-seated issues just like you are. Uh, and being a man of God uh, means I'm, I'm submitting my will and understanding, like I said earlier, that uh, his plan is better than my plan. 
full stop. There's there's no question and no uh, room for error and no room for just wondering. Like his plan is better than my plan, and so I uh, look for evidence of his plan in my life and I try to follow that and let my own ideas and my opinions uh, be secondary uh, and subservient to what God has for me. Uh, Following that is as close as you can get. And there's a lot of details that people could come up with. And there's a lot of people that are smarter than me who have spent a lot of time trying to flesh out uh, what it means to be uh, a man of God. But I think first and foremost, like submit your life to Christ, uh, read the Bible, pay attention to it, listen to what God would have for you, uh, pray on it, and spend your time investing in what he would have for you. And the details of that will, will work themselves out. And for some people, the details look totally different. And I used to believe that there was like a picture of masculinity, quote unquote, uh, that like a manly man did certain things. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's true anymore. Outside of the fact that a manly man submits his life to God and... Other than that, uh, the details of your life might look radically different, uh, but I know some really, really manly men who would prefer to spend their time like in a library reading some books or chilling out and playing Pokemon uh, who are every bit as manly and care for their wives and shepherd their families and are deeply invested in what it means to be a man of God uh, just as much if not more so than some dudes that like could build you a house and fill it with meat that they killed Mm -hmm. on their own and cook it up for you yeah there's there are the details are by far secondary to the idea of being submitted to God. Well, I think that that uh, for guys like you and me, that's sometimes hard to understand and grasp uh, because we we, I mean, look at me, you know, <laughs> look at yeah. us. Like we we look like the world's definition of men, you know, and uh, like it's really easy for us to do those kind of masculine things. And there's nothing wrong with doing those masculine things, but a lot of times then to kind of take a step back and realize that that isn't the only way and it isn't the important way that our masculine is expressed. It's through our purpose and it's through doing the will of our Heavenly Father that we really truly find that that identity as men of God. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Vince. I appreciate it, man. God's blessing for <laughs> all you do. Always a pleasure. All right. Have a good one. Music. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach. That's U N G E M A C H 
at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.